Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this NBA draft edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And the NBA draft will take place uh, tomorrow night. Today is Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday uh, in New York City. And Chris, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I, I won't <laughs> lie. To, I won't lie to you. I won't lie to our our listeners. My, um, I want to I want to put this politically correct. My care meter. I was going to say a different <laughs> word. My care meter is at like a 15. percent Yeah. Right now, now yeah. the Cavaliers trade in the first round. Okay, maybe you know, yeah. maybe they add a piece that could potentially be a bench piece. But Cleveland's foundation is set, they have the 49th overall pick in the second round. Um, I'm just not amped, you know. I think that we already know who the first pick is. You know, Victor Wanyama is going to be the first pick, and then Scooter's probably going to be the second pick. But like, in terms of NBA drafts, this one does not. Not it's not hitting the hype meter just right. I mean, I get it. Trust me, I do. Uh, they've got the 49th pick in the draft. It's a late second round pick, and the odds of of that guy becoming something um, are very very low. And the odds of that guy helping immediately are very very low. I mean, look at last year; they had multiple second round picks. They used one of them, number 49, on Isaiah Mobley, who spent the entire year in the G League, basically. And it was all about him developing and getting adjusted to the NBA game and working on specific weaknesses. And then two of their other second-round picks were stashed overseas. So, you know, the Cavs are coming off a playoff appearance. They obviously have holes that they need to fill, but the odds of, whoever it is they take with the 49th pick stepping into this rotation, given how tight things are with J.B. Bickerstaff. And given that he's a coach who relies heavily on, on certain guys and, and yo-yos other guys um, it's, it's, it's very, very low. So I completely understand where you're coming from. And I think the best thing that the Cavs can hope for is that they get somebody to draft and develop and maybe possibly a few years down the road, um, he becomes something. What that something is, that's hard to say, but he becomes something. Yeah. I mean, but the 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 hope you have um is that Nicole Jokic went uh forty <laughs> first. Why two thousand in two thousand fourteen. Why are you doing it? <laughs> in two thousand fourteen, that was that was almost ten years ago. And he just yeah. won the NBA championship. So maybe there's a way, you know, that in 10 years we'll be looking back and saying, remember how not pumped we were for this draft? And look what happened. <laughs> but the, likelihood, at, the likelihood of that happening is close to zero. Yeah, so I was looking at last year's draft um, the other day, and I think there were two 
maybe three guys drafted in the second round that like had any sort of well, I guess you could say three that had any sort of tangible impact for the team that they got drafted to as rookies. Um, and all of them, Hayden, were within the first few picks of the second round. Yeah. You know, the back end of the second round guys, we're talking about draft and stash guys, other guys who spent a majority of their time in the G League, and guys who maybe possibly a few years down the road will still be in the NBA, but there's not even a guarantee of that. You know what I mean? So I think the Cavs are realistic about what they're looking at with the 49th pick. And I would hope that fans are pretty realistic about it too. For every Nikola Jokic that's out there, there is Luke Travers, right? (laughs) For, for every Chris Middleton that, that, you know, Milwaukee was fortunate enough to get, and it wasn't even with them to start. Um, there are any number of guys who have just gone on to play a little bit in the NBA and then go overseas or something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. And again, there's, we'll see what happens. But, you know, looking at mock drafts, I'm looking at one right now. Um, the first one I've looked at, to be honest with you. Um, Isaiah Wong, I know that name, and I know that okay, Isaiah Wong from Miami. You know he's he's kind of a wing, um, interesting player. Okay, like I'd be all right with that. But at the but even if I know him, still again potentially a uh, a guy that's going to spend a lot of time in the G League, so not going to crack their rotation. But I think Chris with the number forty nine. Well, before we get into number forty nine, you yeah. wrote something, and this is kind of where you're going to either entice me and and you're going to reel me in or I'm still going to be where I'm at. What are the chances in your estimation from the people you've talked to that the Cleveland Cavaliers can move up into the first round or will move up into the first round of this 2023 NBA draft? We've talked about this a little bit, Hayden. They don't have a ton of assets. No, like they're not a team that is sitting there and they don't have anything of value that a team would want via trade this offseason, right? But they have limited assets. So what they have to determine is what's the best use of those assets. They have a bunch of future second-round picks. They have their own second-round picks. They have Jetty Osman. And I'm told that there are people around the NBA that are interested in Jetty. They've called the Cavs about Jetty. I'm told that there are people interested in Isaac Koro. And the same thing when it comes to Dean Wade. So it's like the Cavs have, quote-unquote, expendable pieces that have value around the league. How much value? That's hard to determine. But they have value around the league. And what they have to figure out is, what's the best use of those assets? And here's the thing. Like, if they want to get into the back end of the first round, which is something that I reported about five days ago, um, and it is something that they want, they are looking to try that. And there are multiple opportunities to do that. You know, Indiana has five picks total. Right. They're not going to use all five picks. So one of their first round picks, one of their late first round picks, 29, 26, it's there. Um, now, it's going to be costly because first round picks are at a premium in today's NBA. Um, but it's there. That's a team that the Cavs could trade with. 27, the Charlotte Hornets, that's a team they could trade with. 
Uh, 23, the Portland Trailblazers, who also have the number three overall pick. That's one that the Cavs have had conversations about, and they could get there, potentially. Um, and Brooklyn's got 21 and 22. And, you know, the Cavs had conversations with Brooklyn at the trade deadline. Um, so there's, like, frameworks of deals that they could potentially revisit with those two sides. But when you have 21 and 22 making back-to-back picks, that's rare in the NBA. So maybe one of those is available, too. And I'm told that the Cavs have talked to all of those teams that have late first-round picks that could be available. Um, but the thing is, if the Cavs want to go that direction, then that limits some of the other activity that they could have throughout the course of the offseason, right? So if they have a conversation with Indiana, and Indiana says, hey, like, we were borderline play-in team. We want a player and more for the 26th pick in the draft, which ironically was the Cavs pick. Um, then the Cavs have to say, okay, like, do we want to use a bunch of our future seconds and X player to get back into the first round? Or do we want to save our future second round picks and X player and try and pull off a sign and trade once free agency starts or try and trade for Royce O'Neal, who's under contract with the Nets and kind of in a log jam at the wing. You know what I mean? Like, that's the question that the Cavs really have to answer um, before tomorrow night, because there are only so many assets that they have, and there are a bunch of different paths that they can take this offseason. And it's like, what is the best path for us to use those particular assets? Everybody that I talked to around the NBA recently, though, Hayden, has, has gotten the impression that the two players that would most likely be traded by the Cavs this offseason are Jetty Osman and Dean Wade. Um, that doesn't mean that that's going to happen, but that's the impression that they've gotten. Um, so that's that's where they are. And and look, like I understand why the Cavs potentially would want to get into the back end of the first round. Like, is there a more mature, more experienced, older player available at the back end of the first round that maybe possibly could help the Cavs and allow them to avoid the bad wing market in free agency. That's something to consider. And I think that's part of the motivation potentially is that um, it is a bad wing market in free agency. That's the biggest weakness for the Cavs. And if they can get a cost controlled young player that also can help them immediately, similar to what Christian Brown did for the Denver Nuggets, um, similar to what Walker Kessler did for the Utah Jazz, like if there's a guy that is more ready to help right now at the back end of the first round, then they feel um, is is better both in the short term and the long term than what they're looking at in free agency, then maybe that is the better use of those assets. Can you give me a ballpark number, percentage, that, that, that you think that potentially Cleveland could move into the first round? I, I think there is a motivation there but I think there and and there's an opportunity there, but I think there's a reality of the assets that they have and using those assets on like a 21, 22, 23 year old player who's probably not going to get much playing time with J.B. Bickerstaff as the coach 
is probably something that they're going to determine is not the best use of their assets. So I, I think it's probably like 20% or something like that. Maybe a little okay. bit higher than that. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So we'll focus on number 49, um, which is where the Cavs are at. I mean, you know, they could go in a lot of different directions. They could go best player available. They could go, you know, to the wing. They could go with the shooting. I mean, yeah. is, there, is there a specific skill set that they really are, you know, looking for more so than anything else. I would assume that shooting would be high on their list, but. I mean, in talking about their offseason in general, Hayden, I think shooting is obviously a priority. So whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, whether it's a trade, the Cavs understand they don't have enough shooting and they need more shooting and they need more spacing. But I don't think they're looking at 49 saying, like, if dude can't shoot, we're not going to draft him. You know what I mean? I think they're just looking at best player available, regardless of position, regardless of age, regardless of skill set. Because the reality is, did I say 47, 49? Um, the reality is the player that they're going to get at, at 49 is an essential coin flip. Um, the draft in general is a crapshoot. And when you're talking about the 49th pick in the draft, it just adds to that. So... I, I think they're looking at a bunch of different positions. I think they're looking at a bunch of different ages. And I think they're looking at a bunch of different skill sets. Um, in terms of roster construction, theoretically, you could say they need a point guard to groom behind Darius Garland. You can say that they need a two-way wing. You can say that they need a backup power forward. And you can say that they need a backup center. Um, but I just don't think they're looking at 49 um, through that lens, I think it's best, most talented player available that we can draft and develop in our system, maybe put on a two-way contract and see Thanks. down the road if there's something there. Any names you've heard? Any targets? Bunch, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a bunch. People don't know these guys, and I don't blame them for not knowing these guys. I talked to a coach earlier today that said, Chris, I've never watched this guy play in my life. You know, I've, I've watched him on film. I've yeah. watched him on film. I've listened to our scouts. I've listened to our executives, but I've never seen the guy play. How could I see the guy play? I was coaching during the season. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, that's kind of where the Cavs are at. So, I mean, I can throw a bunch of different names out there that I think one makes sense for the Cavs um, at 49 or two that are on the Cavs radar based on conversations that I've had. Like one of the kids that I wrote about recently is Hunter Tyson. Um, he's 23 years old. He's a stretch forward. Um, he shot 41% from three point range. He's got some Dean Wade type characteristics. Um, that's somebody who is on their radar with the 49th pick. Um, Amari Bailey. I wrote about him this morning. Um, 19 years old, played one year at UCLA, played alongside Bronny James at Sierra Canyon. It was a ballyhooed recruit, like a top 15 recruit going to UCLA. Um, made the, the Pac-12 freshman team, made the all-tournament team. He's more of a combo guard, but like if you groom him behind Darius and he's six foot three, 190 pounds with some length to him, Maybe he can get some point guard skills 
um, ironed out and maybe possibly he becomes somebody down the road that is like a backup point guard who's a pest on defense and can run a team well enough. Amani Bates from Eastern Michigan. I'm told that his workout with the Cavs did not happen, that he canceled it because he was feeling sick. That's what he told the Cavs. Um, he's somebody, again, young kid, ballyhooed recruit, um, had some issues in college. The Cavs and every other team would have to le- look into the off-the-court stuff. There was a misdemeanor gun charge there. Um, started at Memphis, finished at Eastern Michigan. Really, really young, really raw, really underdeveloped. That's not a pick for now. That's more towards the future. Julian Strother from Gonzaga. He can shoot. He's got big game experience. Kobe Brown from Missouri is another name that I've heard. I've heard Terquavian Smith. That was somebody that the Cavs looked at last year before um, he decided to go back to school. Um, Ricky Council IV. Tumani Kamara. Um, Chris Livingston played his high school ball in Akron. Kind of bounced around a little bit. So, like, any of those, Omari Moore is another name from San Jose State. He's a, a wing that that has um, good size, feisty dude, had a breakout season for San Jose State. Uh, that's another name that I've heard, too. So, any of those guys, and if you haven't heard of them, I don't blame you because it's the 49th pick of the draft. Right, right. And if you're like you said, it's probably not a plug and play. It's probably a stasher guy or a G League guy that right. develops eventually into um, into potentially, uh, you know, hopefully somebody that can uh, contribute down the road. Yeah, um, and like if they get into the the latter portion of the first round, then they're going to be more recognizable names. Obviously, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I would I would think that a name like Imani Bates would be a guy that they would be targeting at that kind of late first round. Um, point. I think that seems like, yeah, too early. Oh, for him? Oh, God, yeah. I think he's a guy at 49. Late first round? Oh, yeah. If somebody wants him in the late first round, by all means, go ahead. I don't think that's happening. I mean, just based on, like, the pure talent alone. Yeah, but it's it's raw, it's underdeveloped, and um, there's not a lot of evidence yet of it translating to the kind of basketball that you would want. So, like, if they get into the late first round, I think Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State would be more logical. I think Chris Murray from Iowa, Keegan Murray's brother. Um, The kid from Santa Clara, who they scouted while also scouting Jalen Williams last year. Colby Jones from Xavier. Jaime Jaquez from UCLA. Um, Those guys, Marcus Sasser from Houston. Uh, those guys, to me, more so than Amani Bates. Amani Bates, to me, is more of a target for 49, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went after that, to be honest with you. Okay. We'll okay. Interesting. I mean, he's got size. He's got length. Um, he showed some scoring potential. Uh, he was a great high school player, obviously. Yeah. But I don't know. There are a lot of questions about him, obviously. Um, Yeah, it makes sense. All right. So I don't want to take too much more time talking about, you know, these players and whatnot, (laughs) because it's because honestly, it's kind of a fruitless endeavor. There's so many players that are out there, you know, and there's there's not a ton of 
you know, knowledge about these guys. Obviously, if you're asked, talking to somebody within the Cavs and they're saying they haven't even seen the guy play, there's just a lot enough there. Not in person, anyway. Not in person. Not in person. Yeah. Not in person. I mean, yeah, film is a little bit different, right? Um, any like draft? I mean, I, I think it's kind of one of these drafts that like you know the order already. Like Wemby is going to go number yeah. one to San Antonio. Uh, Scooter's probably going to go number two. I think Brandon uh, Miller's going too. Oh, okay. I do. I just think when you look at what today's NBA is, um, the kind of player that Brandon Miller is is more appealing than the kind of player that Scoot Henderson is. Like okay. there is a premium for guys like Brandon Miller. Um, and I just think that would be hard for somebody to pass at number two. We'll see though. Yeah, we'll see. Hornets looking at uh, Brandon Miller. And yeah, you kind of already have, um, you already have LaMelo Ball there. That'd be interesting to see what, what goes on with um, with the Hornets there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the comp that they give Scoot Henderson is prime Westbrook and Derrick Rose. <laughs> <laughs> and the spur, the comp they give for their the Spurs for, for Victor Victor Womanyama is seven four Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to live up to. And then Brandon Miller gets Rudy Gay and Danny Granger. <laughs> kind of interesting, but anyways. So, all right, that's the top of the draft. Um, Anything else you're looking at in this draft from a Cavaliers perspective? I mean, is it just one of those things where, you know, just see where the chips fall and um, kind of just hope that this guy can be something down the road? I think the most important thing with the Cavs when it comes to the draft is how do they use those assets that we talked about, right? Um, And I think that is going to tell you more about the direction that they want to go in the off season and the direction that they could go in free agency. So that to me is where my head is going to be. And um, if they get into the back end of the first round and they take like a more seasoned two way wing type of player who they think could potentially help them um, in the short term or quicker than some of the other guys that they would be looking at at 49, then I think that tells you what they think of the free agency wing market. And I think it tells you um, about the other directions that they want to go via trade this offseason. And it doesn't mean that, like, if they trade Jetty Osman um, tomorrow night and they trade some of their future second-round picks tomorrow night to get into the back end of the first round, that they aren't going to make any other trades. You know what I mean? But you just have to be cognizant that there are only so many guys that they deem quote unquote expendable that have enough value around the NBA to get something back of value. That's going to be meaningful for them. So just keep that in mind. Well, some breaking news, Uh, Denver Nuggets are trading 2024 first round pick and 2023 40th pick to the Indiana Pacers for number 29 and 32 on Thursday. So Indiana. See, I told you, you told you one of those picks from Indiana was available. Yep. But like, actually, look at the cost. Look at the cost. I think that's important to look at. Yeah. So the 2024 first and 2023 40th overall pick um, for number 29 and number 32. So. And a 2020, so that 2024 first round pick, obviously, the belief is that it's going to be 
a late, late first round pick. Yeah. Um, because it's Denver. But yeah. that's the kind of thing that the Cavs cannot trade. <laughs> right. They cannot trade a first round pick like that the same right. kind of way. So that's that's the cost potentially of getting back into the first round for them. Yeah. So Woj says, uh, prepare for the possibility of losing Bruce Brown at free agency. They'll be drafting during 29, 32, and 37. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, again, that kind of uh, takes away a couple of Cavaliers potential picks there, right? Um, potential spots to make a pick or pick a trade, I should say. Yeah. So, th- and it'll be, this will be evolving. This will be evolving um, as the, um, as the next, you know, 24 hours, 40, 36 hours kind of commence here. Um, I think okay. the other thing that's interesting, Hayden, looking around the NBA, um, Gary, Trent, Gary Trent Jr. is opting in and probably going to get an extension from the Toronto Raptors. So that takes a theoretical target from the Cavs this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Kuzma opted out of a $13 million deal. Yep. And is one of the more attractive free agents on the market, at least in terms of unrestricted free agents. So if he opted out of $13 million, um, he is not in play with the mid-level exception for the Cavs. <laughs> no. I don't think he's going to take less money to join the Cavs. So that that would be more if the Cavs want Kuzma, and he would be a logical target for them. That would have to be a sign and trade where they're willing to give him a contract like in the 20 million range or maybe even north of that. So I think him opting out shows where his head is and what he thinks his market is going to be. And I would be very, very surprised if the Cavs can play ball in that market. Um, I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested in Kuzma. I don't know why. why. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't think they need that. I I don't like his kind of attitude. I I, I don't. I know. I know. It's silly, but I don't. I think it's. I don't know. I think as a player, yes, you're interested, but like, I don't think that's a good culture fit. Well, if you believe in your culture enough and you believe in the things that J.B. Bickerstaff has established and the leadership that you have within the organization, then you feel comfortable enough to bring somebody like that in, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you do. Sure. I mean, if you like, yeah, like when LeBron was there, you'd bring in all kinds of different guys. Yeah. So do you actually feel the same way about the culture that the Cavs have established then? It was kind of, it was kind of encouraged to bring in the black sheep because LeBron kind of like set that tone. (laughs) Sure. So do you have questions about their culture that they can handle that kind of personality? Uh, no, I don't have questions about the culture so much. I just think they're, they are a good group and like, yeah. you know, I don't, they don't really have a lot of drama. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's a guy who could potentially, he could potentially shake up a boat. Um, so maybe that's my kind of concern in that regard. 21.2 points, 7.2 yeah. rebounds, 3.7 assists, 33% from three point range, 45% from the field. Again, I, I think I'd I think he's going to be out of the Cavs' range anyway. Yeah, he will. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's come to Cleveland, but um, yeah, I mean, on paper, the 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 basketball part, yeah, I mean, it makes sense for sure. But those are uh, just like a few things to consider when it comes yeah. to free agency. Um, the mid-level exception that the Cavs have 
that's worth about $12.2 million. There are about 20 teams that's, that have that available to them. So that is going to be crowded to begin with. Yeah. Again, sign and trade is going to be a possibility for the Cavs. Um, but... One just, thing that one thing that we we that that Kobe has shown us time and time again is that he thinks outside the box. Yeah. Um. And there might be something we're not even thinking of that he's has up his sleeve. You know, I'm not saying that it's absolutely going to happen, but um, yeah. you know, he showed us that with the Laurie Markin deal. He showed us that with, you know, bringing Donovan Mitchell when that was seemingly not something that they were gonna um or a path they were gonna go down. So, I, I I'm just saying in terms of like. You know things that make logical sense. Yes, that's yeah. definitely something to look at. But at the same time, also, you know, he's a guy that does things that are uh, that maybe kind of under the radar. So I think there are a lot of things on the table, and uh, just because we're not thinking about them right now, maybe doesn't mean that they can't happen. I've also heard recently that the offers that the Cavs have made or the phone calls that they've taken from other teams on Jared Allen are not very appealing. Yeah. And- I talked about this on the last podcast. Like, it's very difficult to figure out what is the value of Jared Allen around the league compared to the value that he has for the Cavs. And I just don't know that the league is going to view him in a positive enough light that would make the Cavs say yes to a Jared Allen trade. Because here's the thing, and I think this is lost on people. I see so many people talking about trade Jared Allen, trade Jared Allen. And it's like, okay. But who are you going to get for him? And I think one of the problems that is always going to be um, an obstacle is that the the players. So if you're talking about trading Jared Allen, you're talking about upgrading the wing spot, right? That's the yeah. the the greatest position of weakness for the Cavs. That's the one that everybody's going to look at. Yeah. So if you're talking about doing that. The wings that are theoretically available, I always say theoretically available. The ones that are theoretically available that could make a difference for the Cavs. Jaron Allen's not enough to get those guys. Yep, that's true. Right? And the ones that are more available that could be had with Jared Allen, like those guys aren't good enough. For the Cavs to say, yeah, it makes sense to move Jarrett, break up Jarrett and Evan, break up our core. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can talk about OG Ananobi, right? You can talk about maybe Jeremy Grant in a sign and trade. Um, trying to think of other wing. You can talk about DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks, but like you're not getting those guys for Jared Allen. No. Straight, at least. And you don't really have the other assets to sweeten that deal because you can't attach first-round picks to it. Right. So what are you going to add to it? Isaac? Maybe. going to add um, future second-round picks to it? Maybe. You're going to add the person that you draft here at 49? You're going to add, like, the draft rights of Halifa Jop? So, but yeah. OG Ananobi on the Cavs. Awesome. But... They're asking for the sun, moon, and stars. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that kind of player, you're not getting that kind of player for Jared Allen. So 
Do you want to trade Jared Allen for Tim Hardaway Jr.? Do you want to trade Jared Allen for, like, Norman Powell? Do you want to trade Jared Allen for... No, I'm just throwing out guys, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, in terms of comparable value, I'm not even saying that the Cavs would consider that or have gotten calls about those guys specifically. I'm just trying to give you a general sense of the caliber player based on some people around the league that I've talked to when trying to assess Jared Allen's value. Right. Um you want to trade him for like trying to come up with another one here. Uh Colin Sexton? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> you want to trade him for like Luke Kennard? Um like it's just hard to find a logical match that involves Jared Allen being traded because I just don't think the Cavs would get the kind of value. The thing that I keep going back to is Jared Allen's value is probably always going to be highest here in Cleveland. They love yeah. him. Um, they're a defense first team. They run so much pick and roll and he's such a great screen setter and lob threat. So they, they've crumbled in the past without him on the defensive end of the floor uh, that was a big reason why they missed the playoffs last year. So for this kind of team, with this style, with this um, core group of players, I don't know that Jared's going to be more valuable than he is where he already is. Yeah, it makes sense. It does. Um, uh, I have another piece of breaking news. Um, okay. Brandon Miller the supposed number two overall pick, potential number two overall pick, mm -hmm. was quoted um, in saying, I actually don't think LeBron is the goat of basketball. My goat of basketball is Paul George. I think he should be immediately banned from the NBA draft, and I think he should be immediately <laughs> not considered by every team in the NBA. <laughs> what do you do? Why? What? I don't understand. If you don't think LeBron is the GOAT, fine. But Paul George, get the hell out of here. Come on. What a, what a weird comment. Exactly, right? That's one where he's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I got a hot take, and I am ready to share it a day before the NBA draft. You ready for it? Here Like, it does comes. he have a personal tie to Paul George? I don't know. Brandon Miller's from Canada. I don't know how that ties into Paul George. Um, but he does wear number 24, so I wonder if that's maybe somebody that he idolized. Yeah, I don't understand that. I'm going to Google. Is... Yeah, I'm, I just did the same thing. Um, yeah. yeah, that's 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 enough. Enough, enough Brandon Miller. Take him I mean, away he from gets the comparisons to Paul George. Maybe I'm just wondering if I'm just wondering if there's anything on record. Yeah, there you go. So, May 28th, I'm looking at um, a piece from May 28th. Okay. He had a one-on-one -on -one with Shams leading up to the draft. Brandon Miller said he models his game after Paul George. Okay, well then, yeah. well then, But that's also not a... Um... <laughs> that's a little bit different conversation. Yeah. Yeah, okay, your your role model is Paul George. Your right. your favorite player is Paul George. Your right. 
The guy, yeah. I mean, the guy whose jersey you wear more than anybody else is Paul George. It's a whole different conversation than the GOAT. <laughs> right. That's well, a much I hope different he, conversation. I hope he is Paul George. I hope he is Paul George. Um, all right, Chris. I mean, a lot of things we can trying we can to chat see. We can chat just trying to see if that's why he wears number 24. Because oh. if you remember, Paul George started his career with Indiana. And he wore number 24 for Indiana. So I'm just wondering if that. Uh, oh, I don't know. That's a weird comment, especially the day before the draft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, <laughs> it's um, like some of your hot takes, by the way. Oh yeah, I got That's some. Up there. <laughs> I got some. I got some for sure. I'm. I'm I know. Not... I see them on Twitter all the time, and I'm like, do I want to yeah. respond? No, I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah, there's no need to, because you're not gonna change. You're not gonna change my mind. That's right. That's because right. it's just. It's just. I have these weird thoughts in my mind. <laughs> my mind's a weird dark hole um of weird takes um that being said uh little nba talk uh bradley beal going to the phoenix suns thoughts comments questions i get why they did it um yeah. i mean they didn't give up anything right so when you have that opportunity to get that caliber player and you don't have to give up some of your main components to get it done. Okay, I get it. I just don't think it's going to work. Stylistically. Too many cooks in the kitchen? Is He's very similar to Devin Booker. Now, Devin Booker, his playmaking has improved over the years. And Point Book could be a lot of fun. Or maybe Point Beal. I don't know what they're going to do with him. That's up to them to figure it out. I just, there's only one basketball. And I don't, I don't know that it's an ideal fit and maybe it doesn't have to be an ideal fit, right? Maybe you just have so much talent that you're going to overwhelm teams that even if the fit is a little bit wonky on paper, or it doesn't look perfect on paper, that it's going to be good enough. But I wouldn't consider them the favorites in the Western conference just because they got Bradley Beal. I still think Denver is a more complete, better balanced, better uh, constructed team. But I understand, again, I understand why why Phoenix did it, especially with the new CBA um, being in place and some of the new rules and regulations that are coming. Your championship window is open now. Might as well go for it. I just, I don't think it's a great fit. And then uh, Chris Paul is, he's not officially going to the Clippers, is he? That was just something well, that we there's no, there's just a lot of conversation about he's going yeah. to get rerouted and where does it make the yeah. most sense for him to end up after this? Because it is certainly not with the Washington Wizards um, right. as they're going into a brand new um, situation with a bunch of new people making decisions. And obviously that means a rebuild. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. OK. Um, trying to think if there was anything else NBA wise. Now, how do you think Wemby will be? And I mean, I, you know, that's their centerpiece. I mean, I think it's a great fit with him and Pop. His comment today was awesome. <laughs> I didn't Did see, see it. it. What was it? Um, he's essentially, I don't have the exact quote. I'm trying to find the exact quote. But there's a lot of conversation about him and he's skinny, right? He's seven foot five and I don't know exactly how much he weighs. At this point in time, but 
Well, I know he you makes know. a baseball look like a golf ball. Oh, it's ridiculous. That was insane. Closing his fist, and it's gone. Um, but there's a lot of com- conversation about his frame and his style, and can he hold up, and he's wiry, and he's not all that strong. So he said something about, like, why should I have to bulk up? Um, what for? You should tell others to skinny up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. But also, like, you're going to be banging with some big dudes, man. Like, they're going to push you around. That's why you got to bulk up. I'm just very, very curious you don't think the, to see him in the end. You don't think the Knicks, you don't think the Knicks were like, hey, Julius Randle, skinny up. Hey, Zion, skinny up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they were. But yeah, I love that comment. You're right. That's hilarious. That's such um, a great comment. Yeah, it is. I never I don't see him ever being big. I, I mean, maybe I like right. when you like and Bean had like signs that he could be a bigger dude and like sure. you know, but like you woman is gonna be thin. I mean, that's just his build, his nature. And I think the thing that you have to wonder, okay, so you want him to bulk up and you want him to get stronger. And I get that um, because he is skinny and he's probably going to play the five in the NBA. But, like, if he gets stronger and if he bulks up, is he going to be able to move the same way that he does right now um, at his current size? Because that's one of the things that you really, really like about him. Yeah. Is that he moves like a guard for somebody who's seven foot five. We've never seen anybody with his skill set. That combination of size, length, athleticism, and skill to be able to shoot the ball on the perimeter, to be able to come off screens, to be able to have an off-the-dribble pull-up and go protect the basket and rebound and be an interior force. Like, I get why people call him an alien. He's very, very hard to explain. But you have to ask yourself, like, if he changes his body that much like you want him to, is he going to lose some of what you love about him? Some of what makes him so unique? So that's something that I'm going to be watching for in the NBA. Oh, yeah. I'm so, I'm so excited. I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do. That's, that's, it's going to be amazing. Um, and, and, you know, I think he is definitely right in a way that um, – that guys are going to have to play him differently. You can't play him the same way that most people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely cannot. Cannot, cannot, cannot. So it, you're, he's right. Like teams are going to have to, he, maybe teams won't have to skinny up or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, or will have to skinny up, you know? I just love it. Why should I bulk up? <laughs> what for? Skinny right. up. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you would think that like adding some muscle would only make him more athletic, but. You know, I get it. Yeah. I for sure get it. All right. Um, well, we will be watching with the number 49 overall pick on uh, Thursday night. See what the Cavaliers do. See if they trade up. See if they stay put. See if they get a guy that they'll take the G League. See if they get a guy that they'll stash. You know, whatever the case may be. Um, but appreciate you joining us, Chris. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Hopefully it's a, hopefully it's a uh, slower night for you. Well, here's the thing that you have to know when it comes to the Cavs' plans and what they're thinking when it comes to this NBA draft. They are not having us full-time media members out at the practice facility to hang there for the draft like usual. Yeah. And if 
if, and this is an if, President of Basketball Operations Kobe Altman or General Manager Mike Ganzi speak um, to members of the media after the draft or during the draft, it is more than likely going to be via Zoom. Yeah, it would make sense, right? So, I mean, they're not planning for fireworks at this Mm -hmm. point in time. I mean, again, even if they do trade up into the first round, I don't know if fireworks yeah. would be the, would be the right. word term that I would use. Yeah, it's not Wimbonyama. It's not Brandon Miller. It's not like they're going to get Scoot. Scoot we're gonna trade our anyway, whole, but that we're, kind of high-profile player. We're going to trade Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and Jared <laughs> Allen to the San Antonio Spurs for Victor Wimbonyama. <laughs> they would say no. You're right, they would. <laughs> they would say no. They would. Like, that's they not absolutely enough. They would. They would not. They would say no. <laughs> of course they would. I would too. That's, that's the wildest thing ever, but it's true. They would say no to that. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. How many people in the NBA right now would you trade that that dude for? Weminyama? Yeah. No one. No one? That's the un- no one, and here's why: because if he's the second, be- the second best prospect since LeBron James, I mean, yeah. yes, still still a prospect, but I mean that potential. Yeah. Why? Why would you move him? I'd trade. I'd trade him for Jokic. Kidding me? Yeah. Somebody who has enough upside still, young enough. I don't know. Yeah, Jokic is a little bit difficult though because he's 28. Like, I mean, I yeah, get it. I guess if you're that's thinking, my point. Is like, if you're thinking 20 years or close to 20 years of, like, the best player in the NBA. That's I don't what even I'm know saying. If, now that I think about it, I don't even know if I would do Jokic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a 28 and he's... Luka? He's, you, you, uh, I don't know about Luka. Maybe. Luka's maybe. got more time. Yeah, Luka's got more time, but, you know, he's got maybe more And he's already shown MVP. There's more unknown with Wemby, obviously. Yeah. 24 Which years is- old. MVP conversation every year. You know that. You don't yeah. know what Wemby is going to be. Maybe, maybe Luca. Maybe Luca over Jokic. Because because Jokic is going to retire at like thirty two and go horse race. I mean, we know that. <laughs> he's he's not long for the NBA. Guy's amazing. Guy's a freak athlete. He's like, I want to go home to my horses. Like, okay. Go ahead, buddy. I love what he said about I love what he said about the parade, though. He's like, I know I said I didn't want to come to the parade, but I'm so I love the parade. The parade was great. The parade is great. Oh my god, that dude. And then I saw he was like the next day he was in Serbia with his horses. Of course. <laughs> Loves his horses. That's, That's awesome. the thing that I love about him. I know. He's unapologetically it's, himself. That is it's the he's the bat like the best. Like of the of the dudes in the NBA right now, he is the best. Like, just goes out there, plays, doesn't really, you know, cares, cares about the game, but like, just wants to go home to his horses. Doesn't care about all the glitz and glam. Doesn't care about the fashion. Doesn't care about the the money. Just wants to be home with his horses and his family in Serbia. That's that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Pretty awesome. Well, he's an NBA champion now, and and one more time, I'll say it. Maybe the Cavaliers can find themselves a, a Nikola Jokic with the number forty nine overall pick. Stop that, it. That, that's the way to end that's the way to end the podcast all right chris thanks for joining us appreciate you hopefully tomorrow night is a light one for you and um we will talk uh once they make a pick after maybe not that this week maybe next week i don't know um but we will talk soon after and uh see what the draft pick 
uh, potentially means for Cleveland and the Cavaliers. Until then, sign up for Chris's Ebtex, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and we will get you all kinds of news, insight analysis, and straight to your phone from Chris himself um, before anywhere else, before Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. So appreciate you joining us, Chris. Thanks, everybody, for listening. NBA draft Thursday night in New York. Uh, Cavaliers with this number 49 overall pick in the second round as of right now. We'll see if that changes. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.